Y'all, we're gonna make some blackened alligator with some cheesy pasta, baby. Let's go. Four pounds of that alligator, cubed up now. Nah. I hit it with my blackened seasoning now. Nah. All right, y'all gonna draw in some two pounds of cooked pasta. And Reeves finds LeBron. That's a three ball, and it's good. Quarter three for LeBron James. One cup, y'all. Smoked gouda with bacon now. Nah. Go ahead with that alligator now, nah, right in the hole, baby. One cup, that Parmesan cheese. Go ahead and mix it up real good. Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company. Reeves finds Beasley, and another one is good. Malik Beasley. All right, here we go. Getting ready for UNLV basketball at the end of the hour. Pre-game from the Thomas and Mac, UNLV and Air Force. Pivotal game for UNLV to at least start moving up in the uh, seeds for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Coming up on March 5th, technically, the men start on March 7th. Willie Ramirez is here. It's Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. James is helping out. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, You can tweet at us. At ESPN Las Vegas, at Willie G. Ramirez, at Cofield and Company, at Steve Cofield. Very interesting day of uh, conversation with a couple of people up on Twitter. I had someone ask me a minute ago who says they haven't listened to the show in 10 years, 11 years. Do we still bash the Lakers all the time? Um, We don't really talk a lot of Lakers because the NFL has kind of taken over the town. We're going to talk a lot of NBA down the stretch here. Um, No, I actually opened the show today really patting the Lakers on the back for a good win last night, and I love what they did at the trade deadline, but I'm also answering someone who started off by saying, I don't listen. What do you talk about? So there you go. Willie, we have much to get into. There's a hell of a lot going on right now. Uh, One of the things that we haven't really touched on all week, but there's been quite a lot of chatter about conference expansion, but on this front, the TV front. And conference expansion discussions around the Mountain West Conference mostly have to do with the Pac-12 and a little bit with the Big 12. But until the Pac-12 has a TV deal, I don't think we're going to hear anything about any sort of expansion. I believe they are going to expand. Have you followed any of the TV chatter this week? Because a lot of it is revolved around it appears that a lot of the hopes of different sources and competition for the Pac-12 to get a mega deal, you know, somewhere in the range of what the Pac-12 got, which is, you know, it's not SEC or Big Ten, but the Big 12 was able to cobble together some deals so that each school in their expanded conference, you know, is going to get, say, 30 35 $40 million. Mm-hmm. And it's been so quiet with the Pac-12 that people are starting to freak out, right? Who Like, who, who wants it? It seems like ESPN is out. It seems like Fox is out. But I believe this is the way negotiations go, that people come and go. They seem to disappear. They come back in at the last minute. Um, It was rumored this week that Apple wanted in. Then there's a whole discussion. Are you going to go all streaming? Amazon. Amazon has popped up again today. And then I started thinking to myself, listen, uh, UNLV would love to get to a Power 5, and it's not like, hey, they can just go, we want this one or that one. But... What is going to happen to the Pac-12? Like, How viable is it going to be? Should UNLV be putting all of its eggs in the basket, the hope of somehow convincing the Big 12 to expand even further? 
it, it <laughs> upon announcing the USC and UCLA was bolting, it seemed like well, okay, let's let's try to get to the Pac-12, right? That was that. Now it seems like it's not the destination spot because you're right. Uh, there are now members of the Pac-12 that it appears their destination spot could be to the Big 12. So if it breaks up, in reality, it's almost as if you're going to get a collection of Mountain West Conference teams. I don't know about whack teams, but like you're going to get a couple of carryovers. It's almost like the carryovers from Pac-12 are going to join the Mountain West. It's not the other way around if these teams leave. If the teams that are being mentioned, um, if they bolt. I, I, well, who do you think is leaving the Pac-12? I don't know who's leaving. I just know what I'm reading. I mean, I mean, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, these are teams that they're saying potential destinations. Even San Diego State now is jumping up in the conversation where they forget the Pac-12, they're going to the Big 12. Right. Well, a lot of it's contingent on what Klyavkov lands. And because it's taken so long, people believe there's no deal out there that's even close to what the Big 12 got. And we're not going to know until he announces what it is per school. You're right. If it is like... 15 mil per school, and I just mentioned, you know, Big 12 is somewhere in that 30 to $40 million range per school per year. If it is way behind, then the Pac-12 probably is going to break up. And there's only going to be like six teams left, and then what kind of a conference is it, is, you know, is it from there? And then, you know, th- then they're going to be looking for some combination of teams probably from the Mountain West Conference. I don't. That's not what UNLV wants. What UNLV wants is a very healthy Big 12 and a just as healthy Pac-12 with the option that they get invited by one of them, which, again, I'm not going to say it's a long shot, but it's not a guarantee. What was the number you just said that the that's out there right now? Like it's on the table, Big Twelve per team that they're going to get. So every year, um, I'll look up the exact number. It's been talked about between thirty and forty million dollars per school per year. Right. So right now, per this story that I'm reading, there have been reports that the Pac-12's media rights options are down to a split deal between Amazon and ESPN that would total around two hundred million annually. Now, if you divide that by twelve. It's sixteen point six million. If you do easy arithmetic, ten right. teams. If it if it drops to ten team league, it's twenty million. It's a big difference. That's a big difference. And it's massive. Right. And if it's only if it's only ten to sixteen million, then there's going to be a lot of schools looking for greener pastures, starting with Oregon and Washington, trying to somehow get the Big Ten to take them. But from the Big Ten standpoint, it's like, hey, we've already got our West Coast presence. We've yeah. got the money in place. They've got a lot of money in place. Why would we split it up even more? Right. So that's, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a very interesting dynamic considering um, I, I think that, the, you know, obviously the, the teams that are involved from the Pac-12 hold their, they, they hold the power because they're, they're sort of, they can, they can control it in terms of where they want to go. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to end up there, but um, there are potential teams for these other conferences that are trying to build these mega conferences. And if you get the, like I said, the Arizonas, the Arizona States, the Oregons, the Washingtons, the Utahs. If if they're attractive and they can and and they can be part of a big, uh, bigger mega conference with the big TV market, Pac-12 is going to dissolve. They're going to have to. They're going to have to do what we saw when Mountain West was created, where they they combined two different teams and created a whole new conference. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you. I mean, yeah, you, I guess you could call it the pack, whatever. But I, I, it would just, if if it breaks up enough to where there's just a couple of carryovers, and then you have whatever's 
whoever's looking to bail from the Mountain West, and you bu- you just build a new conference. Yeah. But then where's your TV deal coming from? I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is the Pac-12 will get a combo of two or three different outlets, and they'll be able to cobble together, say, 25 or $30 million per school, which is you know in the range of the Big 12. Um, it's, it's not going to dissolve. And, and a lot of this is sourced from TV people who, of course, are playing a negotiating game and trying to convince the Pac-12, you got nothing. We're out. And then they come back to the table like, ah, we actually do want your product. You know, this is a negotiating play. And Klyavkov is trying to wait it out. He's going to have to announce it pretty soon. But It's a dangerous game you're playing. It is, but I don't think all of these networks are going to com- completely turn their back on those West Coast markets. They're not getting L.A., but they can get some of Southern California with San Diego State. But in negotiations, who do you trust? No one. Especially when there's a lot of stuff being leaked publicly. There's a purpose there. Who do you trust when we talk about NFL draft? No one. You don't trust the teams. You don't trust the agents. You can sort of trust us in the media, but all we're going to tell you is what we're hearing from people who you can't trust, right? It's all sourced, but they could be feeding us a bunch of bull crap. So the chatter around which quarterback to draft in this NFL draft has already taken off. So Raiders are in a position, Willie, in multiple spots to draft a quarterback. What do you want them to do? Take a quarterback in the first round, wait, get another position in need, and then try to get quarterback of the future in the second or third? What do you want? I think that the Raiders should build their defense. That's what I think. I think that I think that's the the ideal thing for them to do is to build their defense uh, more than anything. And what I brought up earlier in the show to Mark McMillan, um, if, if, you, if you're going to bring in a guy like Aaron Rodgers or you're going to draft young, you build your defense. And there are guys out there like Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, Miles Murphy from Clemson, um, Brian Brees from, from Clemson. You build your defense and strengthen it because I think that's a bigger priority. Now, with the situation that you put yourself in without Derek Carr, yes, a priority is to get a quarterback in place, but you have options, I believe. I believe that if you're going to, if you, if you need to draft, I don't think that you need to trade up. I don't think you have to go after a, a C.J. Stroud, a Stroud, Bryce Young. I personally like Richardson from Florida. I think he's an able-bodied guy who could come in and learn the system. And I think Jarrett Stidham, I've been saying this, there's not one person that agrees with two games. So he hasn't really gotten his shot. There's no way that you or me or anyone else that covers the beat every single day that can say that he's not the guy, he's not ready, he's not the one. How do you know unless he's put on the field? He, he stepped on the field against the 49ers and that defense and played well. The Chiefs come in, the eventual Super Bowl champ. They had game film on him. And they had already played the Raiders. So, in a sense, they knew the system. They played the Patriots. They kind of know what's going on. Stidham has been with Josh McDaniels. Do we know if he's a franchise quarterback yet? No, but at the same token, you have a guy that's been there. You have a guy who knows the system. You bring someone else in, you add some depth. If you're going to go for Rodgers, then, as I mentioned before, you package Chandler Jones with you're going to have to get rid of Josh Jacobs because you're not getting rid of your targets. 
and you build that defense up. But I don't think you trade up, and I don't think that you go after the, the top-tier quarterbacks in the draft. You could also wait until the second round and go after a guy like Hendon Hooker if he's still around. So I think that there's plenty of options outside of going after Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that he's the big fish, the big whale. I don't think that he's the answer. I don't think that he's coming in and winning the Super Bowl. You've been consistent on this. I have been. You're not gonna, nobody's going to convince me that it's a slam dunk <laughs> that if they bring him in. It, I've never said if they bring him in, it's a failure. They're going to be a losing team. I've never said that. All I've said is that Aaron Rodgers was with Devontae Adams in a much better Green Bay Packers team in the NFC North of all divisions. He's going to leave the NFC North. Vikings, Bears, Lions, they're on the come up, I get it. But to come to the AFC West, which now has Sean Payton, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, the Super Bowl champs, they've been to three of the last four Super Bowls. So you're telling me that he's going to come here to rejoin Devontae Adams with the Raiders. They're now on a worse team than they were with the Packers, and it's going to make a big difference in a tougher division? I'm just not convinced. They could be better than they were last year, yes, but it's not a slam dunk. I'm sorry. Willie's worked up. We're going to bring in Stanford Rout, and for good reason. He has conviction on his thoughts. We're going to bring in Stanford Rout, former Raider, in just a couple minutes. Let's do a giveaway right now. Four-pack of tickets to the NIT. NIT has moved out of uh, MSG with the finals, uh, final and semis. It's going to be here in Vegas, 2023 NIT at the Orleans Arena. March 28th, we got the semifinals. we got a four-pack of tickets right now, 364 364 Zero, zero. You can get your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Remember last year's Final Four, you had Texas A&M, St. Bonnie, uh, Washington State, and Xavier. NIT is often a launching point for a big year the following year. I mean, we're talking about the teams that are you know, somewhere between you know, 69 and in the 90s in terms of rankings. The gap between the back end of the tournament and this group is really close. But, yeah, uh, Texas A&M this year is number 25 in the country. Right now sitting as a uh, six seed in bracketology. Xavier was number 16, or is number 16, and it's sitting at uh, second in the Big East. So it's going to be a really good collection of teams in that Final Four at the Orleans. NIT's coming to town. Ari's got some tickets. 364-1100. Caller 7. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez. Or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Routes on Cofield and Company. Stanford is up here on this Friday. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good. Happy Friday to you, fellas. Happy Friday. So we got a bunch of stuff to get into. Willie was just uh, yelling and screaming about his quarterback plan for the Raiders, so we're going to get to that in five minutes. But I wanted to hit you with a couple of the stories of the week. Um, there's a lot of anger from media people, especially older ones, about All-Star Weekend. I really didn't get why they were so bothered by it, but I think it's a lot of that, hey, back-in-my-day stuff. But, you know, I noticed that Micah Parsons decided to speak up on load management. And I wanted, and that's in the NBA, I wanted your take on load management and also on the notion of current athletes getting after other current athletes in other sports. <laughs> <laughs> well, for one, uh, load management is now a part of our society. It's now a part, a part of our environment, especially when it comes to the NBA. And because contracts are fully guaranteed, the, the owners, 
the the powers that be they have no way to push back against it so players have all of the power when it comes to the nba and if that's what they want to do to protect their brand if that's what they want to do to protect their bodies then that's pretty much exactly how it's going to go down because that's how much leverage they have and they're making sure to exercise it okay well what do you really think of it does it, bo- <laughs> does it bother mean, you does it bother you because actually a current day nba player Anthony Edwards, when asked last week, um, hey, what bothers you about the NBA? And he's like, he's like, I just think guys should play. And I kind of got after him. I'm like, bro, in your own sport, like, you're only 21. I would be real careful about feeding red meat to NBA haters. Like, there's going to be a day when you're 30-something where you may want to take off 20 games a year. Do you hate it, though? As, you, as, a, as a former athlete and now a fan, do you hate load management? Well, as a as a Michael Jordan stan or as a stan of the Uh-oh. 80s and 90s brand of basketball, it's not something that I particularly uh, like because you signed a contract that's paying you, what, 40 million a year or 50 or whatever the hell the contracts are right now in the NBA to play 82 games, not to play 60 and to load management slash rest for the remaining 20. No, that's not what you signed up for. And just like what Anthony Edwards said, what about that one family? What about that one kid that his family is only able to afford to go to one game that season because his favorite player is a person that does not play on the team in his hometown. And he's able to go to that game because that player, his team is going to be playing in that city on that night. And they decide to go ahead and use their hard-earned money to go ahead and buy tickets for that game. And just because it's a Wednesday night in some nondescript city that's not a marquee New York, L.A., Miami, something like that, where it's going to be on TNT or ESPN, the player decides to go ahead and just load manage and rest that game. Well, that kid went there to go see you play. That family went and paid their hard-earned money because they knew that their son, they knew their daughter, they knew that their family member, that was their favorite player who they wanted to go see play. And it's just a letdown because that player decides that he wants to load manage. So I definitely don't like it, but I've now learned in this new society, in this new generation, that that's going to be the way certain things are. So you either adapt or you just simply get gobbled up and become extinct. So, uh, no, I definitely don't like it, but that's just what it is. And you must just go ahead and get on board with it because that's what you're going to see for a lengthy period of time to come. Do you think that there needs to be a fine line then drawn as to if you're load managing that – because if, if a player's injured or, or, or just – twist an ankle let's not no high ankle sprain or just strain something but could go and we know in the 80s michael jordan or in the 90s kobe bryant they're going but yes in this day and age does there need to be a fine line well if you're load managing it better be for a re like there better be a strain that yeah you could have played but it makes sense not just because you're just resting well, that's the thing. Yes, it does need to be a fine line, but how can you legislate that? Exactly. How can you tell somebody how, how, how severe their hamstring injury is? How can you tell somebody how severe an ailment is? It really, really is no way to legislate that because you can go and ask the team doctor. Well, the team doctor, the team doctor, they are paid by that team. And we all know that star players 
run the league. They run the team they're on. That's that right. that doctor is not about to go and tell some independent arbitrator within the NBA that, oh, well, you know, star player X, he really isn't that banged up. And so this really is just more so him just not wanting to play rather than him having a legitimate injury. They're not going to do that. They're not going to go against the organization that employs them. So that's why, yes, it does need to be a fine line, but how in the hell do you actually really legislate it? I don't know of, of a way that you actually can do that. That's why Adam Silver pretty much has to just sit up there and say that, oh, well, I don't really think that load management is an issue. He knows it's an issue, but he knows that there's no way to remedy it. So I'm just going to go ahead, stick my head in the sand, and pretend like this isn't an issue. And just like other things like the All-Star game wasn't just a complete abomination on Sunday night. Stanford Route on Cofield and Company, former Oakland Raider, former NFL player, played in the defensive backfield. What? Well, I'm not going to say what does he have left because I think I think he has a lot left. Uh, Jalen Ramsey for the money, though he's uh, he's part of this group of veterans who is going to get cut, and there's going to be interest in him. How interested would you be in Jalen Ramsey? And do you have to run a certain kind of defense uh, to make him you know, worth full value? Well, for one, Jalen Ramsey is a freakazoid. He's about what six one, six two. He's long. He's got great, uh, great length. He can run with anybody. He comes up, makes physical tackles in the run game. He can play outside. He can play inside. So we all know that he's a hell of a player. There's no doubt about that. I think that he's probably better suited for a zone-based defense and making sure that I have an elite pass rush because you look at all of his years that he's been in the NFL. He's played with the Jacksonville Jaguars, having Saxonville. Calais Campbell and those boys up there getting after the quarterback. He then gets traded to the Los Angeles Rams. Who did the Los Angeles Rams have that plays uh, the worst jersey number 99 in the middle? Oh, yeah, Aaron Donald. So I think he's best suited for a zone-based scheme, but I think he definitely still has a great amount left in the tank. Probably not going to be able to play at the same level that you're now seeing the Sauce Gardeners, the Tariq Woolens of the world, the Jire Alexanders, guys like that, but he definitely is still a damn good player. Lions have a lot of money. If you're Jalen Ramsey, would you go to the Lions? Uh, I mean, coming from L.A., uh -oh. I was out there in Jacksonville, good weather, big market in L.A., now going to Detroit where it's going to be cold. Whether where I'm going to a team that is probably not going to be contending for anything really? anytime soon. Really? That I don't know. They won. They uh, won eight, the, the Lions won eight of ten to close the season. It looks uh -huh. like the Packers could be stepping back a bit. Lions are solid. Bears aren't there yet. You, you're you're not high on the Lions. You know, at least graduating to really competing for the playoffs. Exactly what you just said. Competing for the playoffs. I'm, if I'm but you Ramsey, here, I just won a Super Bowl last year. I ain't trying to compete for the playoffs. <laughs> the, the hell? <laughs> so <laughs> they, that's so that's him. so for for his situation, for where he is at in his career, I don't think he'd be wanting I don't think he would want to go to a team where he now is in the in the frame of rebuilding where we're trying to uh now we've established the culture. We saw what Detroit did last year, so I'm very proud of them. But they still weren't able to get over the hump and actually make it to the playoffs. So there's still steps they have to take. And then we all know for Jared Goff played well last year. I think he had a Pro Bowl season. Is he going to be able to duplicate that? So when you ask that question about Detroit, I, that's not a slam dunk that some high-priced free agent player, a free agent corner, is just going to automatically be clamoring for. Interesting, because you just mentioned two years ago, just went – 
goes to the Rams. They rebuilt, and they won it, and he was part of the piece of the puzzle. If they prove to him that they're going to rebuild and build, get to, to it's a building block, and as you're explaining what the Lions have to do, he would be part of that. If they sell him on that they're rebuilding and they're going to put together a chip, the Rams did it with him. So why can't the Lions do it with him? You say who did it with him? The Rams. The Rams. The Rams are in Los Angeles, correct? Right. Does it snow in Los Angeles? It doesn't snow indoors. <laughs> they got an indoor stadium. But it okay. Well, I mean, I think all, I think Stanford's telling all, us that location does matter. It does. In terms of yes, where some guys don't want to be in the cold. Do you know what the weather is like in December in Jacksonville? Do you know what it's like in Florida? Do you know what the weather is like in January in Los Angeles? I have an idea. That that matters. I have an that idea. That matters. Man. And for and listen, Chris Carter said it best. When you leave this game, you want to leave with two things, money and memories. If you wind up snagging you a Pro Bowl, you wind up snagging you a Super Bowl, A, great, good for you. But Jalen Ramsey has the money. He definitely has the memories because he's been to the Pro Bowl I don't know how many times, and he won a Super Bowl. So he's got all of that. He's now at a point where, hey, listen, if it ain't the perfect situation, if it ain't the perfect type of setup, I can just go ahead and be patient and just wait a little bit. So that's why I'm saying Detroit is not something that's going to be at the top of his list because even though Detroit played good last year, it's not like Detroit is like Buffalo. Now, Buffalo, yeah, playing with Josh Allen, being out there up under uh, everybody that you got on that team that's very, very talented, Sean McDermott, yeah, I'll risk going to the cold. I'll risk going to nobody cares Buffalo, Western, upstate New York, because I know I'm going to be in the playoffs. But to go to a situation where we're competing for a spot in the playoffs, where Mm. we're trying to just get that seventh seed, for Mm. somebody that's a Super Bowl champion, been to several Pro Bowls, uh, you got to give me a little bit more if you want me to just come to that cold weather. All right, here comes a segue for Stanford route, former Oakland Raider. I got a better idea. If we want to stay in warm weather and go to a nice climate and go to a nice state and not have to pay state taxes, instead of going uh-huh. after a high-priced quarterback, how about a team that needs to build the defense? Las Vegas Raiders. Hey, hey, hey. hey. You win now it? I you think, win it? Now I, now I think. You're picking you up what I'm per- laying down? Oh, oh, I'm picking it up, and that's what I'm saying. I think that now. Jalen Ramsey probably just took you off of Do Not Disturb on his phone. <laughs> I think now he's not. I think now he ain't going to leave you on red or leave you on scene. He'll go ahead. He'll pick up your phone call. Now, for the Las Vegas Raiders, okay, high price corner. I get that. I respect that. I, I, I applaud that. I'm for that. But don't you, don't you just stop there. You better go get you a high price quarterback. You better go get you, get you some high drive pick quarterback. You better do something. You're already out on the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. Tom Brady is now retired. You just let go of Derek Carr. He ain't coming back. You, you, better, you better not stop at high price corner. You better continue on that spending spree or continue on that free agent tour or continue on trading draft capital for a top-notch quarterback or somebody that's going to lead your franchise. Hey, I'm with you on Jalen Ramsey. I get that. I get that. I respect that. But, hey, do not stop there. Okay, so you mentioned out on the Rodgers sweepstakes if you go for the high-priced corner, which I'm fine with because 
as I just said before you came on, I'm not buying into Aaron Rodgers coming here and solving the puzzle when him and Devontae were in Green Bay with a better team in a weaker division. Now him coming here against the likes of Mahomes and Wilson and Herbert, it's a different story. So it's not going to solve the puzzle. Now that doesn't mean that a younger quarterback is going to either, but to invest all that money when your defense needs to rebuild, I say you move past Rodgers and you do one of two things. You either draft deep into you, you, you draft later in the draft, maybe a Hendon Hooker later on. Jarrett Stidham has been with Josh McDaniels. We haven't yet seen him be able to prove himself. So how can anybody if if, if it's so easy to say He's not the guy. It's not it, – it just – we don't know that he is the guy because we haven't seen him other than two games, one against the Frisco defense and one against the eventual Super Bowl champs. Or, mm-hmm. or with that seventh pick, why not Anthony Richardson? And I get it. Jared Stidham, he played pretty well against the San Francisco 49ers. I believe it was the same week of New Year's. And I like the way he played. And you're right. With him being up under Josh McDaniels, that's where he came from, the New England Patriots brain trust. Yes, that's an intriguing possibility. And I think he should be given an opportunity to see exactly what he can do. But I still feel that if you're going to give Jared Stidham the opportunity, you still need to draft a quarterback. You still need to get one. Do you like Maybe not a high-priced free agent, but you still need to get somebody else. You don't want to have Jared Stidham being your – your your all-in be-all option because what if he doesn't pan out so you don't want to handicap yourself and put yourself and pinch yourself into that corner you don't want to do that but hey i get it i like the way stidham played against the 49ers i definitely liked it and i think that if you put him in a situation where he doesn't have to look over his shoulder you put him in a situation where he doesn't feel that he's just coming in to spell somebody for a few games until the season ends and he actually goes in knowing that, hey, I'm the starter. Everybody believes in me. The organization has put a lot of resources into me, a lot of faith into me. There's no telling what you might be able to get out of him. I'm all for that, but you cannot stop there. you got to either still draft somebody or you have to go after somebody within free agency. That way they can be some sort of a, an insurance policy if the Stidham project doesn't work out. Last one, Willie was asking, uh, what do you think of – Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson, who oddly enough at some sports books has gone from 100 to 1 months ago to be the number one pick to now plus 750. What do you think of Richardson? I think that anytime you're looking at these guys uh, coming out that are very, very young, I just think that it's very difficult to be able to really, really know exactly what you're going to be getting. Now, we all know going to Florida, good player has ability, has flashes, things like that. But can he process that information at a high clip whenever that pass rush is coming? Does he, be, does he know how to read defenses? Can he see when the safety is being the overhang versus when he's going to get to his deep half and all things like that? That, to me, is very difficult. It's a crapshoot anytime you're drafting these quarterbacks. That's why I'm more of the guy that I believe in the proven player. I believe in trading for Aaron Rodgers. I believe in signing Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody like that because anytime you now put the fate of your franchise in one of these high high draft pick, high price quarterbacks, if it doesn't pan out, I feel like it sets you back about two to three years. 
Stanford, you have a great weekend. We appreciate the time on this Friday. We'll talk to you soon. Man, you guys be good. Happy Friday to you. Y'all be safe. There he is. Stanford yep. Route, the uh, former Oakland Raider. Coming up, we're going to get you ready for UNLV and Air Force tip right here on ESPN Las Vegas at 630. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. So if you're heading over to the Thomas and Mac, looks like the game's been pushed back. Yeah, probably like 10 minutes, closer to like a 6.40, 6.45 tip. Running Rebel warm-ups coming up in just a couple minutes. It's a busy night around the Mountain West on the men's side. Uh, late game tonight is uh, Reno taking on Fresno. Small favorite on the road, 8 o'clock start, FS1. Wyoming and Colorado State is on the way at 6. That's also an FS1. That is a very underrated rivalry. It's called the border war between the Cowboys and the Rams, and I was uh, listening today to a station in northern Colorado where they actually have an Isaiah Stevens show. Isaiah Stevens is the star point guard for CSU, comes on for 15, 20 minutes a week, and a really good, really good interview with uh, Brady Hull. And uh, here's a couple bites from one Isaiah Stevens just talking about how intense the border war is and do you, like, do you get it? And I think that the alumni help, uh, help the players learn that <laughs> time as well, right? Uh, <laughs> going on the road up there, they make it known. Uh, whenever they come to Moby, our, our fans make it known. So it, it's hard to escape. And the more games you play in it, the more and more it becomes more of a sacred game. It, it will be interesting to see, like, how many of those teams can make a run because I think that's important just for the longevity of uh, the NCAA tournament looking at the Mountain West and making sure that, okay, if we let these teams in, like, how competitive is it going to be? So I think winning, once you get there, is going to be huge for us. So pretty interesting, you know, savvy stuff from a player in Isaiah Stevens who knows a year ago they went to the tournament and, you know, they didn't play well with David Roddy on the squad. And it is important for the Mountain West if they get three or four teams to the tournament to actually win some games and have at least one team make a run to the Sweet 16. So all of our Mountain West Conference talk on Cofield & Company is brought to you by the upcoming Mountain West Conference tournament. You can grab your tickets at unlvtickets.com. Uh, women's full package goes for 75 bucks. Men's tickets go as low as 25 you get two games in a session there's multiple sessions so check it out unlvtickets.com or the mw.com slash 2023 vip packs as well but on our mind is the game locally with air force and unlv i had a chance yesterday to talk to kevin Kruger on the heels of speaking to one ray brewer who's a you know big uh, rebel follower we'll say but also always pushes for local recruiting and he's right you can build with local players here um it's a big focus of this Kevin Kruger-led squad and started off a short conversation with Coach Kruger by saying, what are some of the challenges of making, you know, making sure that the local guys stay home and go to UNLV? When you recruit locally, you, you feel a little bit extra responsibility in a, in a sense to make sure it's a great situation and a great experience. And uh, the last thing you want to do is... Uh, you know, have somebody local and then feel responsible for them not having a, 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 the best experience possible. And so, uh, you know, and then, of course, there's a, it's, it's a good area. It's a great area. So um, there's a, there's over 100 teams recruiting local talent. And the game's changed a lot because uh, when you were at Oklahoma, you know, I think you were the primary recruiter on Jalen Hill. 
NIL wasn't a big factor then. NIL coming from the outside is a big factor now, so you guys kind of have to get up to speed on that, right? The difference between programs from 1 to 355 or 357 is uh, it would probably be mind-blowing in, in, in certain arenas. So, uh, yeah, NIL is something that uh, as it continues to go forward and and kind of be half-governed, uh, that uh, we're going to do our best to make sure that the guys uh, – capitalize on their name image and likeness as much as possible but at the same time you know it's uh, yeah I mean especially with as much local talent as you as you as we kind of talked about you can't you can't keep everybody home if there's potentially uh, great NIL opportunities and, and great early playing opportunities at other places there are programs out there that will sell you a bill of goods and the kid might not be getting that so have you encountered that where kids are like hey what am I getting and then you've got to kind of you know explain the situation that what you're being pitched may not be the exact case well, unfortunately, the way the NCAA is kind of worded it is we're not really supposed to be in that arena very much and in that in those discussions very much. And uh, um, But I think we are going to see this spring. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of guys leaving schools um, that you maybe have heard a rumor about getting X number of dollars or X number of, of NIL deals. And, and uh, you know, hopefully every kid gets everything they're promised. Uh, <laughs> that would be... That's the way it should be, but uh, at the same time, yeah, I think, of course, there's going to be situations out there that where uh, people feel misled or there's going to be situations where uh, people hoped for better and, and, and didn't quite get it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the NIL has changed everything, and I think this will be the first true, you know, this will be the first of many springs and summers where um, we, we really see the effect and the, and the strength of the NIL. What do you think of Curtis's question last night on the coach's show where he was expressing fear that you're playing young guys and then that could be a bad thing? I mean, that's like a, it's a crazy mindset, but I guess it's something, you know, he was talking about Shane Noel. Like, how do you deal with that? Like, hey, we're giving young guys, they're getting exposure, they're playing well. Now we got to make sure we re-recruit them or kind of block the outside stuff. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, re-recruitment is something that you probably, you didn't have to worry about you know, five years ago, really. I mean, you knew. You had an inkling of who was going to leave or who was unhappy, but um, you didn't have to do what I, what is probably going to have to take place um, in certain on certain teams or in certain with certain guys in the spring, uh, you know. And unfortunately, the college game is where it's at in in terms of uh, you know the grass is always greener on the other side in a lot of cases, and uh, you know we just we, we want to provide somewhere here where not only are we honest with the guys and they they get all of, of what they expect on the court but then also in the NIL uh, in that category that, that they get you know uh, uh, what what's fair to them and what's, what's said they're gonna what they're gonna get if they uh, if they make a deal last one in terms of you know what you're trying to build you certainly want to get four and five star kids from Vegas to stay home are there coaches because I think this happens in football are there coaches who, who will talk about hey you know what uh, take my borderline guy and maybe hey there's some promises down the road and, but some of those borderline guys actually could turn into players um, how do you manage that because you know you don't have 105 spots on a basketball team like football does yeah I think I mean it, you know it, it may not be that uh, direct but uh, you know of course there's there's programs that have had you know dozens of players go through the college ranks and have great careers and and uh, so, I, you know, of course, those are the, the, the people or those are the programs and, uh, and teams that everyone tries to buddy up with and, and, and be in the good graces of. But uh, I, I don't know if we see it necessarily as much on the basketball side in terms of package deals or, or um, sweetheart deals. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's always that level of it. And, but like you said, I mean, sometimes, you, you know, that second guy or third guy that's under the radar a little bit ends up being a great player. 
sounds of UNLV coach Kevin Kruger. On that note, one thing I will mention, and you talked about the NIL deals, is I remember when local Julian Strother was being recruited um, by Marvin Menzies, and he had narrowed his choices down to Marquette. He had narrowed it down to Gonzaga. UNLV was on the list. One of the things, one of the knocks against UNLV was the local fan base. He saw how the local fans would treat UNLV, no matter how hard they played, if they would lose, and how hard they were on players. And he said, you know, I could go to Gonzaga, I could go to these other schools that are basketball cities, win or lose, they support. Why am I going to take a hit? Why am I going to get beat up on social media or in person on the court? So local fans, that's why it's important to support the Rebels. They host Air Force at the TNM, 6.30 p.m. tip. Run a Rebel warm-up starts a little after 6 with John Sandler and Curtis right here on ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. Rebels currently a nine-point favorite. Back in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. One thing I want to close on is we are coming up on National Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. I just had my second colonoscopy in five years. And I know a lot of men, it's embarrassing to talk about, but I feel it's important just like mental health, just like suicidal awareness. Guys, you're getting up there in your 40s. You're reaching that 50-year mark. Go get checked. Go talk to your doctor and ask about getting your colonoscopy. I promise you it is all about self-care. It's all about your health, and it is necessary. Uh, Again, just got my second one in five years just to make sure the pipes were clean. So, again, March, National Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. Want everybody to be healthy out there. Have a great weekend. Make sure to stay tuned for UNLV basketball. Cofield and Company back next week on ESPN Las Vegas.